let us begin. I don't know what else to say. Just kind of getting the icebreaker out there. I know. We could do that. We could do that. I mean, we don't have the typical handy intro. You added to it. It's not the same. Your youth pastor is speaking. Oh, you idiots! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We love you, Andy. You're probably not gonna listen to the podcast anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Especially with my class and my dad's class. Yeah. Yeah. All right, redeeming the time. Okay, so um, so here's what we got tonight. So we are gonna be doing some practical stuff. I've got a couple things that we're gonna do, which will be a lot of fun, interactive stuff. But what I wanna do first is I'd like to do a little bit of review. So talking about stuff we talked about last week, just a smidge, dive into a few more details that we didn't get the chance to last week. And then I wanna go over a, uh, a common, commonly used methodology for evangelism that I really, really like. It's the ASK method, if you've never heard of it before. It's pretty sweet, straight from England. Um, it's pretty awesome. So we'll talk about that, and then we're going to play Gospel Roulette. It's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Okay. What now? Okay. Are you sure? Yeah, no, no. No, we are not doing that. We are not doing that. All right, so let's do a little bit of review. Okay, so redeeming the time. So this is our verse. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we've been told to redeem the time that we have. I have been thinking a lot about this lately, um, even personally in my own heart. Um, you know, I often, I, I, and I've thought this before, and I've shared this before, and I know I've taught on this before, but it really hit me kind of new this week, um, that my life is not mine. Uh, oftentimes, we get into this groove, we get into this mindset that our life belongs to us, that it's ours to spend. I mean, I think everybody does. This is something that's normal, that everybody has to work through. But the reality is, and I talked about this with my daughter tonight, because we were all just on the topic, um... Who gave us life? Like, where did it even come from to begin with? You know, philosophical. <laughs> yes, God's breath. Yes. And so God, God gave us life. He, had, he gave us the ability for our hearts to be, for the breath to be in our body, for, for all those things to exist. Like, it comes from Him. The Bible's very, very clear about that. The only way around that is you just don't believe in God. I mean, that's the only way around that. If you do believe in God, then life came from Him. And so if your life is originally something that came from him, then our life is to be spent for his purposes. Like that's a very simple statement, but it's something that's huge, has long, far-reaching impacts into our life. We get so used to spending our lives for the things that we want. We get so used to just doing the things that we want to do because we want to do them. When we don't even stop to consider where did my life even come from? It came from the Lord. And so what does he want me to do? And that changes everything. Like, God, how do you want me to spend my moments today that you've given me? You know what I mean? It just changes your perspective on everything. And so when God says we're supposed to redeem the time because the days are evil, he's given us the freedom to use our time however we want, but he's wanting us to redeem that time for his honor and for his glory. Not for your honor, not for your glory, for his. So that requires a change in thinking. And it really requires you wanting to think that way. I can't make you think that way. I can tell you it's the right way to think, but until you really start to think that way, nothing's going to change in your life. 
But when you start doing that, then evangelism is really something that almost becomes second nature to you. You start to have a heart for people. But you've been divinely designed by God. You've been put together by God the way you're put together, strengths, weaknesses, and everything, at this time in human history for a reason. And I believe that with all my heart. And then we talked about how we're made for a mission. It's the work of the Lord, evangelism and discipleship. And we talked about both of those. And last week we spent some time really hammering on evangelism. So last week, these are our, our three points that I wanted to hit real quick as we hit this in review. And it really is very summarizing this three, these three words. Pray, know, go. Pray for opportunities. When was the last time that you sincerely, every day, asked God to open up a door for you to speak the gospel to somebody or to share the gospel or share what he's teaching with someone? Like consistently. I would be willing to bet that if you did that every single day during your week, you'd probably have an opportunity. Unless you're not praying it sincerely. But pray sincerely. Because as the Bible talks about, ask, seek, and knock. Uh, asking for it, seeking it, and then knocking and going after it. And that's the method that God uses when we're supposed to pray to Him. But when was the last time you prayed about it? Like, do you really have a heart for someone? Have you, have you had someone laid on your heart and you have prayed about that particular person and asked God for an open opportunity to share the gospel with them? You should. And know, we talked about knowing the gospel inside and out and really cherishing the gospel. Being able to verbalize it, but really meditating on it and understanding the wonder that is the gospel. It is amazing. It's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. And it doesn't matter how many times I work through it. When my heart's right and I really consider the gospel, it, it, it changes me. It changes my attitude. It changes my perspective of others. It gives me greater compassion for people. It makes me just stand in awe of who God is. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And then go. Get out there and actually do it. You're never going to get experience unless you actually go and make it happen. And then at the tail end of our notes from last week, there were three points that I wanted to cover that we didn't have time that I wanted to hit. And that's this first one. And that is the Lord commanded his disciples to go and to preach the gospel. God commanded his disciples to go and preach the gospel. So if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, which by the way, the Bible is very clear, the moment you're born again, you become a disciple. Faithful disciples are the ones that are called Christians. That's what it says in Acts chapter 11. So God has commanded his disciples, every born-again believer, to go and to preach the gospel. And we know these verses, Matthew 28, 18-20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and lo, I am with you all, even under the end of the world. Mark 16, 15. Go and preach the gospel to every creature. Yes, even the squirrels. No matter how much I hate them, go and preach the gospel even to the squirrels. That was a joke by the way. I don't preach the gospel to squirrels. I shoot them dead. Um, <laughs> I do. I hate them. I hate them. Once they, once they have burrowed into my attic, nope. Nope. That was a, that was a game changer. That was, that was a game changer. I, I, I hate squirrels. Alright, go to John, John 15. John 15. God commanded his disciples to go and preach the gospel. John chapter 15. John 15. So I'm going to read verse 8 and verse 16. Who would like it? 8 and 16. Emily, go ahead. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it you. So the proof of being a disciple in verse 8 
God is glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So it's in bearing fruit, bearing fruit. And verse 16, that fruit is supposed to remain, that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Well, what is that fruit? Go over to John 17. John 17. John 17, and take a look at verse 18. So Jesus is praying to God the Father, and He says to the Father, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So it's the same thing He said in John 15. Then take a look at verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also shall believe on me through their word. So that tells you something. You can't just be a Christian and do a whole bunch of good deeds and never open up your mouth. Because look at verse 20. If we believe verse 20, Neither prayer for these alone, but for them also it shall believe on me through their word. Through their word. You have to speak it. There comes a point in time where your faith has to come out of your mouth. And if you have a hard time of it coming out of your mouth, then I would really challenge your faith if it's actually real. You should be able to speak it. Your life should live it. You should live it in your life 100%. But it should be able to come out of your mouth. And your actions should be backing up the words that you're speaking. That's the proper way that this is supposed to go. And then take a look at chapter 20. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And so this is after Jesus' resurrection. And he's talking to his disciples. And in verse 21 it says, Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. So Jesus commanded his disciples to go and to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to bear fruit that remains. That's undoubtable. Like you can't, you can't get around that. You cannot be a Christian and then just go and not do anything and expect God to be happy. Like this just it doesn't work like that. You need to get that into your thinking. It helps me tremendously. I need to actually do something with my faith. If nothing happens with my faith, then I don't have faith. And if that doesn't bother you, then maybe you're not saved. So you need to think about those things. It's very, very important. Very important. All right, the second thing I wanted to hit was communicating the gospel properly varies in each interaction and conversation. So you got to meet the person where they are and lead them from there. And so that's what we're going to exercise a little bit tonight. Go to Acts chapter 8. I want to show you two examples in the Bible where this um, really is illustrated very well. Acts chapter 8. Acts 8 and verse 26. So we have Philip. This is a great example. Verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. I like how it says, which is desert. Okay. Verse 27, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So this is a Gentile, but he's obviously a proselyte, which means he's Jewish, because he came to Jerusalem to worship, but he still works for Candace, who's the queen of the Ethiopians. And so he was returning, and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. 
In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of, of whom speakest the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, there it is, he opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And then this guy ends up getting saved. I love it. And then afterwards he gets baptized. So there's several things that are here. First of all, Philip is looking for opportunities. And the Spirit of God is nudging him, saying, hey, go here. Hey, go there. See that guy? Yeah, go there. And that's what happens a lot of times. When you're walking in step with the Spirit, he knows who he wants to reach. And there are certain people that, for whatever reason, just there's more of a burden on your heart for them. Or you just have more compassion for them. Or there's something inside of you that says, hey, you need to go talk to that person. Be obedient and just do it. That's what Philip did. And so this guy happens to be sitting in his chariot, taking a break, and he's reading the Bible. And then Philip asks a great question. Do you understand anything you're reading? Well, how can I? Except some man guide me. And so then he started at that very same scripture and he preached unto him Jesus. Philip preached Jesus out of the Old Testament. That's incredible. So it's a very simple thing. You just begin where that person's at and then lead them from there. God does that with us. We should do that with other people. So I love that. I love that example. Go over to chapter 17 in Acts. This is another really good one. Acts 17. Paul finds himself in Athens, Greece, and in verse 16... So chapter 17, verse 16, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. So he's looking around, he's paying attention to his surroundings, and his spirit is stirred inside of him. Now this spirit is a lowercase s, so that tells you that's his own personal spirit, it's not the spirit of God. But either way, he's bothered. There's something inside of him that he's super bothered by what's going on. He's seeing people that are wholly given to idolatry. He knows it's completely against the scriptures, and so he has a heart for them. So his spirit's stirred. And then, verse 17, Therefore, because of the stirring inside of him, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. So he went into the synagogue and he spoke openly with the Jews. He would go into the marketplace and he would talk with people, anyone that was willing to talk to him. And he just started having conversations with people. Just over and over and over, started having conversations with people. He met them where they were, and he continued. Then look at verse 18. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. These were smarty pants, one and two. And some said, what will this babbler say? Other some, he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but to either tell or to hear some new thing. So they're a whole bunch of gossips. That's really what they are in verse 21. And then look at what Paul does in verse 22. Then Paul stood in the, in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. And this is why he's talking about the idolatry that's going around in the city. So he perceives their super, superstitious nature. Verse 23, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, or the idols, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So as he's paying attention, now this is huge, guys, because I, I think a lot of people just, they go about their merry way in their life and they don't pay attention to the people around them. They just don't pay attention. 
he's looking around Athens and as he's seeing idolatry worship here and over there and this God over here and that God over there and he's seeing all these different things, his spirit stirred inside of him. And so then he's like, I got to talk to people because these people are going to go to hell. They're worshiping these gods. They don't know the one true God. They don't know anything about Jesus. I'm here and while I'm waiting for my guys to show up, I might as well have some conversations. So he starts having conversations with all these people. Can you imagine all the things that Paul learned about the Athenians through all these conversations that he would have had with them? I mean, one after another, after another, he would have had this conversation. He would have found out this about their beliefs. And he'd had that conversation. He would have found out that about their beliefs and how that impacted their culture. And then he would have had this conversation. And then maybe in that conversation, they said, yeah, that's also why we have this one God that's called the unknown God. Because we have all these other gods, but maybe we missed one. So we just set up a statue and we call it the unknown God. And Paul's like, ding, like you can almost see the light bulb, light bulb. And it opened up and he's like, that's it. That's my way in. So then as he's having these conversations, some smart dudes overhear him and say, hey, we want to hear what you have to say. We're going to give you a platform. You're going to hear all the leaders of the city come. And so then he comes and he opens up with this unknown God. And man, what a great hook. What a great hook. Hey, guys, that unknown God that you're worshiping, um, yeah, that's the one I want to talk to you about. How could that not have grabbed their attention? It's the one God that they don't even know who the name of that God is. And he's like, yeah, that's the one I want to talk to you about. And he's the one that made everything. Everything. I love it. So look at verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on, the, on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead, the Trinity, is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit, certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysus, the Areopagite, and, and a woman named Demarius and others with them. Now what's really cool about this is there's not a whole lot of fruit that comes out of it, but you do have Dionysus. Now, what I love about Dionysus is he's called an Areopagite. Now, this guy would have been super influential because you cannot be a member of the Areopagus without being what's called an Archon or a Chief Magistrate. Okay, So this guy was super important. So out of all the leaders that were there, this guy, who is a leader among the leaders, ends up getting saved. And what kind of an impact could this man have had in Athens? Huge. And all because Paul was paying attention. He was having conversations, he was being observant, and he found a way in. He got creative. I think for most of us, we're afraid to get creative. Or we're so wrapped up in our own life that we're never paying attention to the people around us. And if you're never paying attention to the people around you, you're never going to have a heart for people. 
and you're never going to want to find a way in. But this is what Paul did. So you had Philip, who's a great example, and then you had Paul in Acts 17. And then lastly, before talking about the methodology of evangelism, I want to talk about how the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And you've got to trust in the authority of God that the gospel will do its work. Again, I said this last week, and some of you guys are going to get up here and you're going to practice and you're just going to be like, like I totally busted that one. Here's the reality behind it. You don't have to worry about being smooth and eloquent. You don't. Because it's not about that. We get so wrapped up in how we speak, or did I use the right words, or did I... No, here's the deal. Be faithful to step through the doors that God gives you and just speak the truth that you know. You will be amazed at what God can do with very little. Remember the parable of the boy that had the two fish and the five loaves of bread? And yet, how many people did Jesus feed? 5,000. Thousands. And that was just the men. I didn't even count the women and the children that were there. This little boy had, well, I've got this. And God's like, perfect. <laughs> he takes it. Boom! And he does a miracle with it. Wah! Like, God just wants you to be willing and be faithful. You don't have to know everything. You can't know everything. Now, the more conversations you have, the more you will learn, and the better you will get. But God just wants you to be faithful. So it doesn't really matter if you mess things up. God can use it. you got to understand the Spirit of God is way more powerful than you are. In case you're wondering. I don't know if you knew that or not. Like, you know. So, okay. So there's that. The Spirit of God is way more powerful, and God's words are way more persuasive than yours. So just remember that. Just remember that. All right. So let's talk about this. All right. So I'm going to pass this out. Um, go ahead and hit this side. You can hit that side. Everyone gets one each. This was from an evangelism study that we did uh, maybe three years ago. Um, but this is really good. I love this approach. If Now, I'm, I'm a person that when I share the gospel, I don't like to do it cold turkey. Um, I don't like to just go up to someone that I don't know and just bust open a conversation. That's just not my style. However, if I do find myself in that situation, this is the method that I follow. I prefer to get into a conversation first with people. And then from there, find ways to share the gospel or to share biblical truths. But this is a great way to just break the ice, dive in head first, and have a conversation with a perfect stranger, or even someone that you've known for a long time. So this is a really good method. So this is called the ask method. Um, all right, so the ask method. So this was uh, made up by, um, I think Brian Clark either invented it or stole it and put his name on it. I don't really remember. I'm sure he would tell us, but... Um, but anyway, this is a great method that they use in London, and I, I've had great success in having good conversations with people on this one. So the first one, A, so it stands for ask questions. So ask permission to begin a conversation. So if you approach someone or if you decide to bring up a spiritual conversation, you can ask this question. Can I ask you a question? And they can give you two answers. One would be? Yes. yes. Or? No. no. All right, so if they say no... Do you have an open door? No. no. All right. Just trying to make sure everyone's with me on that one. If someone says no, great. I want to tell you the gospel anyway. Um, no. If they say no, then forget about it. It's a closed door. But if they say yes, then you can keep going. And then you can ask their opinion. You can ask them a whole host of questions. But here's a couple of examples. Who is Jesus? Or what do you believe about Jesus Christ? And just ask them that question. And then hear what they have to say. You would be amazed. You'll find out a ton about what someone believes about Jesus. Because they could believe something that's completely off the wall. 
But now you know about it. Now you know where they're coming from because you've asked them that question. And so then you can go from there and you can uh, go back and forth about some of those things. But honestly, that's not really the point of this, this, this letter A. So ask them their opinion of what do they believe about Jesus or who do they think he is. And then respond to their answers respectfully and kindly. That's really interesting. Now don't lie about it. But anyway, uh, or I really appreciate your opinion. You know, you got to have a good heart attitude about it. Like, oh, okay. All right, so you acknowledge their beliefs about it, all right? And then you move forward into sharing the gospel. Now, this next one is very simple, sharing the gospel, letter S. Next, we teach them what the Bible says about Jesus or the gospel. We can teach the gospel any way in which you're comfortable. It doesn't really matter as long as you talk about the gospel. Last week, we talked about the five keys of the gospel. You could hit some of those. You can go through the good test. You can go through Romans Road. You can do all sorts of stuff. But either way, you come to this point, and you ask them for a response. What do you think about that, or does that make sense to you? So what I've done is I've followed this, and I've said, hey, can I ask you a question? And then I ask them, what do you believe about Jesus, or who do you think that he is? And they give me their response. And I say, okay, awesome. Um, can I share with you what I believe about Jesus? To which then generally they respond, yes, we've gotten this far. They're probably not going to shut me down at this point. They might. That's fine. But then from there, then I jump in and I share them my testimony and I share them the gospel and who I believe Jesus is according to the scriptures. And I make sure it's clear according to what the Bible says. And then I come to this point. So what do you think about that? Have you ever heard this before? And I've had people say, no, I've never heard this before. And so then from there, after you do that and you kind of work through that, you can um, get them to the point where does that make sense to you? You can, you can answer any questions that they have at that point in time. And then you've got K and that is keep the conversation going. I love this quote here, uh, and there's a couple quotes in this one that are really good. We do not want to give up on any conversation until we have to. If you've had a good conversation that they get saved, or just a good interactive conversation, ask if they'd like to continue the discussion over coffee or whatever works best. We don't just want to throw seeds to the wind. Seek for a second encounter. And you've got to understand that we are a disciple-making church, and we need to nurture any fruit that... Uh, so that it can remain. That's the whole point of our, of our disciple-making ministry. So you don't want to just let it go. So don't just be content with sharing the gospel, but try to find a way to follow up with that. Hey, if you want to know more information, I can get you more information. Can we exchange cell phone numbers? Or if you're not comfortable, here's our church website. Here's an email address to our church so you can get more information. Or why don't you just come on Sunday? And you can give them information about our church, when we meet, address, and all that. Or if they're willing to meet up with you at Dunkin' Donuts, because you can actually sit in Dunkin' Donuts and have conversations compared to other coffee shops that are around there right now, then go ahead and do that. Sorry, I had to put that dick in there. All right, and so here's the whole point. The ask method is the method Crossroad Baptist Church employs on the street that's in London. A move within this structure, make it your own. There's no secret ninja move that will win all the battles. And of course, that's a Bride Clarkism as well. So it's a great pattern to follow, a great pattern to follow. And so now I would like to do some practice. Are you guys nervous about this? There's a few. Okay, you're kind of nervous about it. Okay. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have um, our leaders in the back pick two people at random. Okay? All right? And they're going to come up here. And what I have designed, this is going to be a lot of fun. This will be a lot of fun. I have, I have taken all of your questions. What? It's just questions. Not a big deal, right, guys? Okay. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
So I have I have all of your questions up here and I have them on a wheel. So at random or I am super proud of myself. At random is going to pick something. But here's but here's what we're gonna do, okay? So we've got the, the two people, and if you don't want to participate, that's fine, but I want to encourage you to participate because you'll be able to get a lot out of it. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to pick two people at random, and you guys are going to be up here. One person is going to be uh, the person that is witnessing, the other person is going to be the receiver of the witness. Yeah. And you can follow the ask method or whatever, but you're going to break the ice, and you're going to move it into a spiritual conversation, and you're going to share the gospel. Okay? Yeah. Once you come to the end of sharing the gospel, then we're going to hit the random question because this is where we get tripped up, all right? And then you're going to have to try to answer that question. And once we come to the end of that, then us as leaders and, and myself will give you guys some different tips and different ways that we've answered this in the past or, hey, we've never faced this one before, um, so good luck. Uh, or, <laughs> or this is a way you could answer that, and that's what we're going to do, all right? Sounds fun? Yeah. Okay. All right, Ricardo. What do you got? It's Rick's choice, whoever he wants to speak with. Big Ricky. Uh, who do I want? Who do I want? Well, I know you do. What? Well, no, no, I don't want to. Uh, Benny. No! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, get up there! Come on, Benjamin. Remember, you're lost, but you don't have to pretend too hard. Hey, let's tell you, you got a, you got a second for a question? Yeah, sure. Okay. Who do you believe Jesus Christ is? Um, I think he's like a good person. Good person? Yeah. Okay. Anything else you know about him? Um, wasn't he Mary's kid? He was Mary's kid, yes. Um, Jesus Christ, um, Jesus Christ became personal to me uh, a number of years ago. And kind of like you, you know, I knew that he was... Mary's son. Uh, I grew up in a church, and they taught me, you know, that Jesus Christ died died for our sins. He died for the sins of the world. You ever heard of John three sixteen? Yeah, yeah. Most people know that know that verse. Um, but the thing is about is you can know Jesus Christ, know about Jesus Christ, or you can come to know Him personally. And that's what happened with me and a number of other people I know that have come to know Christ personally. John 14, 6, which saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I'm not saying that to sound like some Bible smarty pants or anything like that. I heard somebody tell me once that you don't need Jesus Christ to get to heaven. And I never forgot that. And a number of years went by. And when I finally read the Bible, and I finally had other people throughout the years witness to me personally, and I finally accepted Christ first. I finally understood what he did on the cross. I finally understood that I was a sinner. It was in the book of Romans. It says, um, 
Romans 5.12 says, As by one man sin entered the world, death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So it made sense. They talked about Adam. Adam was the original sin enter person, if you will. That's how we got sin. And I finally realized what I did against God. I thought I was a good person. I thought I could just work my way to heaven. But I find out, I finally realized it was by the blood of Jesus Christ that I that you can have redemption. If you have an eternity in front of you, one day you're going to take your last breath. Does that scare you at all? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah? You can have hope. You can have eternal life if you come to accept Jesus Christ personally. It says, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've sinned. You've come short of the glory of God. Sin's personal. God does not let sinners work their way into heaven. You have to know him personally and understand that by the cross... That debt was paid. Do you have any other questions you might want to know about that? Um, not that I can think of right now. No. I'll think about. Would you be saying. interested? Is that the timer? No. This is the question that he has that he um, didn't know. Um, Aren't you being judgmental, Rick? Didn't Jesus say not to judge people? <laughs> <laughs> it would have been better if he said it to me directly. <laughs> are you being are you being judgmental? That's it. Aren't you being judgmental? Didn't you say Jesus? Didn't Jesus say? <laughs> Jesus Christ, he is an all loving God. People say, well, well, if God's love. Why doesn't he just let me into my heaven? He's all loving, but he's also a righteous judge, and he has to judge sin. And if you don't know him as your Savior, he will end up judging you on your sin. If you know him as your Savior, you're judged on your works after you're saved. It's a little more complex. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. A little bit? A little bit. Okay. We have, I would have, if you would like to, I'd like to invite you to come to our church. You can not have a lot, there's tons of questions. You're always going to have tons of questions. But just understanding simply, salvation and understanding what being saved is, it takes time. So I would just ask you, if you want to come and see, come and check out our church. Sure. And I'll give you a track. Thanks. Yeah, you get that. All right, Ben, you're not getting away. You're up here. It's a great industry of the gospel. All right, so. Oh, my God. Now you get to pick. Who are you going to pick? Who are you going to pick? I'll let you do it. There's none good. No, not one. <laughs> no, Will's good. <laughs> Alright, who else are you going to pick? No, I want Will. Will, go. I'm good. You're embarrassing. your butt up there. Well, your difficulty is going to be limited because of the wheel, so. Oh, so I can't be difficult? I have no, to be but you're gonna, well, well, you need to give people enough, you know, time in order to, to share the gospel. Oh, okay. So. Okay, all right. So go ahead, Ben. Hey, can I ask you a quick question? No. <laughs> sure, go ahead. Split personality. Who do you think you just um, he's that one all-powerful guy in the sky. 
You care if I show who, who I think he is? Yeah, go for it. So, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he came down on the earth and lived a perfect life and died on the cross um, and rose again three days later um, so that we can be saved. Um, and John, it says that he's the only way to get to heaven. And um, obviously, there's a bunch of religions and stuff that believe that there's different ways, but I truly believe that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And um, when we die, there's eternity. You either go to heaven or hell, and the only way to get to heaven, like I said, is through believing in Jesus. So, well, I just got baptized last week, so I'm good. Well, like I said, you know, Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Um, it doesn't talk about baptism as a way to get to heaven. Um, Wasn't Jesus baptized? Yeah, he was baptized. But yeah, he was. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you have, you have, you've got a question, don't you? you've, you've yes, I do have a question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a wild card, so you can pick whatever you want. Alright, so you can pick any question you want. Well, I gotta see him, I can't see. It's a wild card. It's a wild card, so you can pick whatever you want. You can just do what you want. What should I ask? It's a difficult question. No, not difficult. Here we go. Why does God send people to hell? Oh my God! Why does God send people to hell? <laughs> so, okay, I'm sorry. In the Bible, it talks about that we're all sinners and we've all come short of the glory of God. Um, if we've all sinned, Jesus cannot be in the presence of sin. So when we get to heaven, God can't just let us in. But that's um, why I got baptized. <laughs> I am now pure. Like I already explained, Jesus. Um, is the one true way to get to heaven. Um, he's the only way we can get rid of our sins forever and enter into eternity in heaven. But doesn't the Bible also teach that baptism is supposed to be purification of your body? So once you're baptized, I am now sinless. Uh, no, it does not teach that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of more difficult questions, but I'm supposed to let the you don't need do it. To. You don't need to. All right, invite him to church. All right, well, do you care if I like give you a track and ask like if you can come to church and you know maybe learn more? Yeah, sure. Good Thank job. You. All right. Okay. Do I go sit down now, or am I? No, no, no. no, 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 no oh, okay. Yeah. So, so Ben, I would say in that one too, just make sure that when you're when you're sharing the gospel, that you really make it clear about a decision that they have to personally make, as well as far as believing and trusting in Jesus alone. You know, Ephesians two eight nine is another really good one. So make sure you hit that one. And then, as far as why does God send people to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. I always say that. Yeah, our sin does. And talking about the separation, but God does not send people to hell. In fact, hell was never designed for humans. Matthew twenty five forty one. That's an awesome verse to keep in mind. Because hell was designed for the devil and his angels. That's a good one. All right, Timmy. So who are you gonna? Who are you gonna? Hey, come here. <laughs> All right, then we're gonna get some ladies up after this. Oh, we need yeah. to get some ladies. Oh, Wait, I'll pick. Where's the point? Yeah. Okay, Timmy, go for it. Excuse me, my good sir. Do you mind if I ask you a quick question? <laughs> How do you think you get to heaven? Um. I don't really believe in heaven, or... Okay, well, what do you think happens after you die, then? I think um, we go into really dark um, sleep, and for respiratory, we just it's just black. Well, why do you think that? 
What makes you think? I mean, I just had this dream one time, and that's just kind of what I'm rolling with. Like, it's one of those dreams that, you know, you just lay there and everything's black, and that's yeah, what you just assume that's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's happens. Okay, can I tell you what I think? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I think there is a heaven and there is a hell, and when we die, we are judged according to someone that is completely perfect. So, if you are not perfect in God's eyes, you will go to hell. But if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and he comes into you and lives as a part of you, whenever you die, you'll be compared to Jesus, but you have Jesus in you. So you'll be able to go to heaven for the rest of eternity. Does that make any sense? Um, yeah. I'd say. <laughs> okay, so, you know, considering the fact, I'm going to take a wild guess here, that you don't know Jesus, correct? No. Do you want to learn about him? Sure. <laughs> okay, so Jesus was someone that came down as a baby. He was God, 100% God and 100% man. He came down to earth as a baby, lived a completely sinless, perfect life, and died on the cross for our sins as a sacrifice for us. So if we wanted to accept him as our Savior, one day when we die, we'll be compared to him. So what's sin? Sin is anything that you think, say, or do that displeases God. Okay. So, have you ever told a lie? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so boring. Oh. If man wrote the Bible, doesn't it have errors? If man wrote the Bible, it doesn't have errors. <laughs> <laughs> See, man wrote the Bible, but God was always telling the man what to write. So, the entire Bible is God's perfect will. You will never find a single contradiction in the Bible because there are no errors. It was God's word. And the, John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The Bible is Jesus. The Bible is God in a book form that we can read and understand. Have you, have you checked all of it? Is it sure? I personally have not checked all of it, but if you can give me a single contradiction, I'll look into it and then come back to you. If you want to give me your information, and I could talk to you more about Jesus, you can, you can accept his own faith. Um, yeah. Oh, this is recording. Yeah, it is recording. Sure. Uh, my number is. Uh, <laughs> stop. Record. Pause. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> uh, and then is that it? Is that it? Yeah. Good job. There's Psalm 12, 6, and seven. I don't know. Offense, yeah. I don't know. Offensive. I wish you could express me or not. Yeah. Um. So the one thing, Timmy, I would say to you in that one is uh, when you were talking about. <laughs> God being in you or God being in a book. It got kind of weird, like that phrase. Yeah. So make sure that you explain, like, what is that? What do you mean by that? So it wasn't a bad approach, but you can just talk about it. Because that is what the Bible teaches. But someone who doesn't know anything about God be like, what? You mean, you're like, I'm going to be possessed by a thing? And when I'm reading a book, it's actually God? Like, how does, that, how does that work out? So, yeah, just think about that. But again, this is why we're doing this. It's on yeah. the spot. All right. Um... Let's pick a girl, right? Yeah, female. Yeah. Um, you lick them all every time. Don't pick them down. Um, it's too Izzy. Bad statement. Wow. <laughs> 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 Wait, who said that? Come on, Jamie. Oh, Jamie. I can be. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Are you, are you in character? Oh, sorry. No. Okay. Hi. How's it going? I just wonder if I could ask you a quick question. Sure. So, my question to you is, if you were to die today, do you know where you'd go? Hmm. Yeah. 
What do, what do you think? <laughs> do, you, do you believe in like a heaven or a hell? No, I believe in reincarnation. Oh. That's cool. So do you want to know what I believe? <laughs> be careful with my Bible. You're holding my sword. Be careful. Oh, I won't drive it. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so I believe in the heaven and the hell, and <laughs> so, so um, what do you know about Jesus? Um, that he lived a long time ago, and that a lot of people believe that he's God. So did you know that Jesus died for you and for your sins, so you could get to heaven? I did not know that. So basically. We're not perfect, right? Like, have you ever told a lie? Yeah. What does that mean to you? Not perfect. A liar? <laughs> so, yeah. like, that's an example of sin. So, if you sin, what's that mean to you? A sinner, right? Mm -hmm. So, and sin is total separation from God. So, what I believe is that since we're not perfect and we're sinners, that we need God to go to heaven. So, I believe that He came down on this earth and lived the perfect sinless life and he died on the cross for us. Are you laughing, sorry. <laughs> and uh, just lost train of thought for a second. So he <laughs> came down on this earth and he lived the perfect sinless life for us and he died on the cross um, and his blood covered our sins because without him we can't get to heaven. And so yeah. Do you have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how do you know what you believe is right? Because I believe it. Give <laughs> <laughs> me <Young> question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you know what you believe is right? So, I believe that the Bible is right because it's really old, you know, right? Like, it's super old, and there's still no errors found in it. And it lines up with. Um, historical findings and just archaeology and just everything like matches up and every prophecy in the Bible has came true. So until someone or something proves the Bible wrong, I'm going to choose to believe it still. Okay, but don't other religions say that about their books? But you can prove their books, huh? Okay. Is, is that right? Yeah, it's okay. Do you have any other questions? <laughs> okay. So, uh, do you go to church anymore? <laughs> nope. So, <laughs> what if I give you this track and uh, invite you to church on sure. Sunday or youth group and hang out? Sure. Thanks. Good job. Yeah, that's how you're doing it. Good job, Isaac. Yeah, so on that, that's a tough question. I like that question a lot. Um, <laughs> So I think that when it comes down to it, how do you how do you know that what you believe is right is a great one? And I think that when you when you come back to it, what we believe is based on what the Bible says. And so it's the authority of the Bible. And so what Isaac did going to the Bible and saying, I believe what the Bible says because it's never been proven wrong, that is 100% accurate. But you do have to be prepared. Because you threw out, like, well, you know, what about other religions of, of their books or whatever? Well, they've been proven wrong. She could have said, well, could you show me? And they're like, uh, well, well, hey Siri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Hey Siri, what's going on? What's wrong with crayons? Yeah, yeah. So just, <laughs> yeah, what, crayons? Um, 
so just so just be prepared. Be prepared. The other thing that I like to mention with that one too is um, if God is true, as the Bible says that He is, the Bible also talks about that He is an enemy, and the enemy's greatest tactic to try to confuse people is by uh, creating false religions and false beliefs because there can only be one way to God, and so you can kind of go that angle as well. So that's another way to go. So so hard. <laughs> because it's like I know you are. It's a stranger to you. This is why it's harder to do this than it is to actually talk to a, a real person. Not that you're not real. Especially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a total insult. My bad. All right. So, who are you gonna pick? Um, everybody's like my content. Yeah. <laughs> Alana, you wanna come up? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Okay. Can I ask you a quick question? Uh sure. Okay. Um I was wondering what your thoughts are about Jesus. Um, well I grew up in like a Catholic home, but I don't know. I, it kind of seemed like a fairy tale. So I'm an atheist now. I mean, I think there's a lot of evidence that proves that God isn't real, but I mean, yeah. yeah. Do you mind if I share what my experience has been? Sure. Okay, yeah. So similarly, I kind of grew up in a Christian household and definitely had that influence of knowing about God from a young age. Um, something that kind of uh, was a big realization for me was finding out that my worth isn't dependent on what I do because the Bible says that God is holy and we cannot live up to his standard of holiness. Um, we know that everybody's not perfect. Um, so Jesus came to make that right and because we can't achieve that perfectness on our own, he came to be a sacrifice and stand in the gap so that we could have perfect unity and relationship with God rather than us trying to do everything perfect. Um, so just having that personal relationship for me has been a big um, game changer. Um, what do you this mean? is hard. I know, I know. <laughs> You're doing great though. You're doing great. Uh, Good job. What do you mean by relationship? Yeah, so... <laughs> um, so I think a lot of times, like if we grow up in a church environment, we can get very caught up in trying to do works or trying to do everything right. But really, it's just about um, having. I know this. I know the gospel. <laughs> You're doing good. Um, this. You're definitely on the right track. So I'll, I'll, so where you said most people focus on works of religion, uh-huh. and uh, you know, even when Jesus came, there were very religious people around, and he, he did not like what the Jewish religion had become. Uh-huh. And so he really challenged that, because it's about having a real relationship. It's not about the things that you do, it's about who you are. And as a sinner, we are flawed, and we can't be with God, and so God wants to be with us, and so for us to have that relationship, Jesus died for us, so that we can actually communicate with him. He puts his spirit inside of us when we're saved. We have his words we can hear from him, and then we can pray and talk back to him and have a relationship. Would that be a good place to talk about how, like, God simplified down everything and just said God love God and love people? Yeah. Those are the grace commandments. Yeah, you can do that. I always kind of say, too, that every relationship is based on two things, talking and listening. 
you can't talk to God, and you and He can't talk to you, then you have no relationship. And so you need the Word of God to be in it, but you need the Spirit of God too. Otherwise, you have no relationship because of our sin. And so we talk to God through prayer. We hear from Him through His Word, and also through the Spirit of God. But it kind of brings that unity back to where it was supposed to be at the beginning. So something like that. What is that? Yeah. There you go. Cool. But she does have another question. Oh, <laughs> really big question. Yeah. Well, this was a So what about people that have never heard about Jesus or the gospel? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> so, I have a really big question. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> what about the people, like, I don't know, in, like, the middle of the jungle or whatever that have, like, never heard about Jesus before or the gospel? All right. I'm not actually sure if this is right, but this is, okay. I think, what is right. All right, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Um, so, that's a really interesting question and definitely something that I've thought about. Um, so the Bible says that every person is accountable for what they know, mm-hmm. yeah. and it said, also says that God, um, the qualities of God are revealed through nature, so just like things like, even like seeing like a sunrise or a sunset, just people in their core know that something had to create this. So I cannot say personally that I know the standards that God will judge them on, but he will judge them based on what they know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, good. That's good. I would also say with that one, too, because that's a tough one. Yeah. So, um, so the Bible talks about two types of revelation. There's general revelation, which is through creation, mm-hmm. and that is enough to send someone to hell because they now know that there is a God. Special revelation is through which we can be born again. Hearing about Jesus Christ, the Bible would be like special revelation. And so the creation is evidence enough that someone knows that God does exist. And, uh, and that is enough to send that person to hell. But I would say also that God is not unjust to not give them an opportunity in some way, shape, or form to receive the gospel. I don't know exactly how God would do that, but I do know some scenarios. So there are scenarios like um, the missionary Jim Elliott, I think is a great one. So Jim Elliott had a heart for these people that lived in the middle of the jungle. They were cannibals. Um, and he wanted to reach them. And so uh, they developed a, a, a way to get a plane and start to drop gifts and different things. And finally, the day came where they finally made first contact. Didn't speak the same language or anything. Um, but what happened is that they finally built a bridge and they were going to go and travel into the tribe. Well, something happened where the tribe got threatened and they actually killed Jim Elliott and three of the other guys that were with Jim. I think it was three. Killed them all. And. Um, and so several months later, the wives of these men continued to make contact, and they made their way in, and, and the tribe received them. And once they were able to communicate, they actually found that, um, that there had been someone in the tribe that knew that God existed and that was praying that someone would send them. It was actually written in one of their, their documents early on that a, a, a man would come and would actually end up dying and would actually be able to set the tribe free. And so they knew that that was God. And who knows where it was written or where that even came from. But there are things like that that have existed where if someone truly in their heart wants to know who God is, then God will do something to send someone to them to give them the gospel so they can be saved because God is not unjust. So there is an element of faith because we don't know exactly how that's going to work out, but we do know the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9 that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God must do uh, what is right in that scenario, that if there is someone that wants to hear the gospel and wants to know who God is, he's not going to not answer that prayer. So that would be the other way I'd answer it, which is kind of complicated. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good job.
All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come to church. <laughs> yeah. Um, so since, since we've Yeah, I knew we were going to run out of time, but Alana's not shared the gospel yet either. Do you want to? I think. She I don't should. care. <laughs> I think she's chair. Okay. <laughs> Stephen said that. Stephen. Oh yeah, yeah. You can teach junior high if you can handle this. Girl, you got it. You got this. All you have to do is be like, all you have to do is nod and smile. You just have to nod and smile. All right. Okay. Hi there, do you have time for a quick question? I mean, I bet you're going to ask anyway, so just go ahead. That's like a knife! So, who do you think Jesus is? Um, isn't he like some dude that like just created the world? Or, I thought that was like a big thing, but someone told me Jesus did that. I don't know. Well, you're kind of on the right track. Uh, do you mind if I share uh, what I think Jesus is? I mean, I guess. Yeah, so the Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God, and he came to die on the cross. Do you know why he died on the cross? Um, for me? Yeah, for everyone. Because we're all sinners. Oh, not just me? Yeah, because we're all sinners. Do you believe that you're a sinner, or do you think that you're a good person? Mm, I don't know. I mean, most of the time, I'm a good person. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, well, have you ever lied before? Mm, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, what would that make you? <laughs> a liar. Yeah. Have you ever stolen anything, whether it was like answers on a test or uh, cash from your mom's purse, anything little? Yeah. Anything big. So what would that make you? A thief. A thief. <laughs> so have you ever uh, said God's name in vain before? Like, OMG. Oh, my God. So already you've admitted that you're a blaspheming, thieving liar. And those yep. are only three of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and God says that if you break one of those commandments, just one, that you are guilty of all of them. God says that there's none good, no, not one, except for Jesus Christ. And I know it may seem like God has really, really high standards, and it doesn't seem fair, but the reason that God's standards are so high is because he wants us to realize that we can't live our life without him. We need a Savior. We need that sacrifice. And that's why Jesus died on the cross for our sins. If we accept his sacrifice and admit to him that we are sinners and that we can't get through life without him, and we believe that he exists and we confess our sins to him, then he will um, restore that gap and um, restore that relationship that we're supposed to have with him. Does that make sense? I mean, I guess. <laughs> but she does have a question. Yeah, I do have a question. Oh, no. <laughs> oh we've already done this one. Hang on. No, wait, wait. Oh, no, no, no. We've already done this one. Wait, what about that? people? With, yeah. yeah. Another, so she has another question. <laughs> Here we go. Doesn't science disagree with the Bible? I mean, you know, it's like the Big Bang theory and all that. Yeah. I mean, science is real. 
All right, good job. Good job. Oh my gosh. All right, I think we're done. I think, I think it's all the time we got. So that was good. That was good. All right, good job. Good job, good job, good job. Um, Jay, you forgot your gospel track. <laughs> all right, so um, I hope that was helpful. I hope that was helpful to you guys. Um, we got maybe, I don't know, we got a few minutes left. Do so you want to hear some more questions and maybe what the answers might be? Maybe? Or maybe? Yeah. Just one person go up and answer the question. Hey, let's go. We could. Oh, that's. Yeah. Right. AJ and Rachel, go. Right now. Here we go. With this one. Why do you believe what you do? I did that. I answered that. I was like, it's never been wrong. Remember? No. No, this one's different. Why do you believe what you do? Oh, I did about right. Yeah, that was a little bit different. Uh, because it's pretty me. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And it kind of gets into your personal testimony, I guess you could say. Yeah, Connor? Because it agrees with science. Okay, there you go. Awesome. So we're back to science again. All right, sweet. All right, let's remove that one. Let's do one more. So go for Okay. With how crazy the world is today, where is God and what is he doing? I know, we could, Alana. Um, I would just talk about, like, I guess it kind of relates to the question, like, if God's real, why do bad things happen? Okay, so that one's up here, too. So crazy because of our sin, mm-hmm. and God doesn't, like, cause bad things to happen, but he allows it to happen, and he, he gave every human being free will, mm-hmm. and because, you know, people just do whatever they want with their free will, that's what, why the world is so crazy. Yeah. And then you could like tie it into like the end times and how Jesus is coming back. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I would also say too that um you know, the other thing I thought about and, and I think tribulation really teaches this too, that God when he chastises, sometimes he allows the chastisement to occur because of our own the own decisions that we make, like our own decisions. Sometimes our own stupidity gets us in these circumstances that we find ourselves in. But they're lessons that we need to learn. And when you look at the tribulation from the perspective of, of Revelation, God is not only trying to get the attention of the Jewish people, but he's trying to get the attention of the whole world. And it says very repeatedly over and over in Revelation that even though like this new crazy plague unfolds or there's other bad things unfold or this unfolds, that it says even so, like in the midst of all that, you have people that are mocking God and, and even worse. They're, they're getting harder and harder and harder. And it actually drives them farther and farther away. Sometimes God will let things happen in your life because you're either going to go one way or the other. Now, from God's perspective, he wants it to soften you. And he wants you to come to repentance. But if you don't let that happen in your life, it's actually going to make you harder. And I've seen that happen over and over again. So that's another one, too. All right, good. All right, let's do maybe two more. Let's see what we got. It's so hard to do it upside down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There we go. There we go. Oh, okay. Why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, we've already kind of talked about that one a little bit. Okay, with that last one. Yeah, we did. Remove it. Okay, next one. It's Donnie Colors. I think we did this one too. Aren't you being judgmental? Yes, I am. Okay, next one. Doesn't baptism or good deeds take away my sin? 
Timmy has to yeah, Timmy was getting ahead of the game. No, it doesn't. Water can't do that. Something physical cannot take away something spiritual. Boom. Done. <laughs> I can't believe in God. There's so much evidence for evolution. Like what? Give me some proof. Go ahead, Connor. What did science ever prove evolution? No. It's a theory. It was never made into law. What about Lucy? Lucy? I don't know about Lucy. I've never heard of Lucy. Our great ancestor Lucy, the skeleton that they discovered and they assembled. I mean, people live thousands of years ago. It came from... <laughs> yeah. I don't know who Lucy is. She's... Alana, what do you got? Yeah. Hold on, can't hear Alana. And basically when we studied it, it never really proved, like, the theory of evolution. It just proved that, like, species were similar. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that proves that they were created by the same creator. God used, like similar aspects of okay. each of his creation and that's why they're similar but yeah they never proved that like they came from each other okay and that's why we have like so many missing links because they don't exist yeah no missing links all right what do you got there was also he was next sorry that did, yeah they would smash the baby's head into a cone okay. so they were literally <laughs> <a cone. laughs> i'm like so this has to do with evolution now okay got it now okay <laughs> yeah that has evidence of evolution it yeah. could just be something that was like deformed. Tribes did yes. Yeah. To signify something. Yes. Yeah. That's good, Emily. And um, in talking about Lucy and stuff like that kind of evolution, why don't we see like half human, half monkeys? Like, why don't we catch any? Why do we not like talk to people who are like, oh yeah, I was a, I was a monkey a couple months ago. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, like, why don't Why don't we like see that? Like see that in the process. Even though like if somebody wants. Had that example, and they were like, "Yeah, well, like we're evolved now, but why don't we see that like in the jungle where they still need to evolve or something?" Like yeah. That? Now I think with that one, they would say that there was a point in time where our, the humans and what became the monkeys split, and so as they evolved, they went in completely different directions. So now you don't see them closely related now because of our ancestors were actually closer back then. That's what they would probably say, more than likely. So. I know, but it's but that's what they say. If you so here's something really interesting to check out. So if you were to go to um, it's the it's the uh, it's a government I think it's a government website, but it's it's the Natural History website. Um, they actually have a section that says proof for evolution. It would be very good for you guys to actually go into their site and read their evidence that they call proof. Now, when you look at it, it's not. There's a lot of conjecture. They connect dots that aren't there. There has been no missing links, but they do have several things in there, like the Lucy skeleton, and there's a few other ones that they try to throw in there as evidence for evolution, even though there isn't. I mean, it doesn't exist, for sure. Yeah, Timmy, I think you were next. So even with evolution, there is a difference between evolution and adaptation. So even if that uh, skeleton Lucy was a human, it could have been different because, you know, the world started with two people, Adam and Eve, and mm -hmm. I, they weren't black at first, but over time, because of the location, how much sunlight a person gets, their skin ad adapts. Mm -hmm. So even then, skeletons could adapt to different situations over time. So you could have a weird-looking skeleton over here and a normal one over here yeah. because of your situation where you're located. Yeah, so in that one, it would be macroevolution versus microevolution. Yeah. So I would always go back to that. You've never seen a species jump from one species to the next. That's never occurred. 
but you do see variations yeah. within a species for sure. Yeah, I'm trying. I think Alana, you were next. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I have a couple things. The first thing, um, I remember learning like some species have like extra like body parts that they don't need anymore, and they use that as proof of like for evolution. Like mm -hmm. uh, a whale has this, like one bone. I can't remember what it's called, but like. They what? say, like, oh, whale used to have legs because it has these bones, but, like, I literally Googled it, and it said it uses it for reproduction. Yeah. And then it said the same thing for the snake, but, I mean, the Bible says that the snake used to have legs for, like, the serpent. Like, well, uh, yeah, that one's actually... That, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, that's that's more conjecture. Like when if you go to the Creation Museum and you see stuff like that, they'll throw some different things out like that. But in Genesis three, where it talks about the serpent, um, I firmly believe that that was not a snake speaking to Adam and Eve. That was actually the devil as an angel of light, looking like Jesus Christ speaking to Adam and Eve. Because you never see the only place in the Bible that you actually see an a, a, an animal speaking to humans was by a divine, you know, encounter. So you had like Balaam. And his donkey were, you know, got him to the mouth and it began to speak. Uh, outside of that, the only other place you see creation speaking is in reference to the groaning of creation waiting for the redemption of the sons of God. Uh, Jesus talking about that the rocks would even cry out if they did not, bow to, or they did not worship him or if they didn't confess him. Uh, there's a few things like that. So creation has the ability to speak, but um, not audibly unless God makes it so. So when God referenced the devil as the serpent there, it was more as a representation of him as a serpent because he's called a serpent, he's called a dragon, he's called uh, Leviathan, he's called multiple things in the scriptures. But in that reference, it's him being the cherubim representing the reptilian class as compared to the other four cherubim. So it goes a little bit deeper than that, but it is interesting. But yeah, okay. Yes. Oh, okay. You, well, the rose. Yep, yep, absolutely. It does, for sure. Yep. Well, couldn't you even go back to the thing where it's like, well, you can either choose to believe in evolution or you can choose to believe in God, but either way, you're putting your faith in something, mm -hmm. and whether or not you choose to believe in something that has more evidence and can be proven, yeah, because they could do the same thing where you could say, you know, go back to the Big Bang, were you there? Well, no, you weren't there. So it's all a theory. But they could say the same thing about God and say, well, were you there? No, but I have a written record of it. And the written record has never contradicted itself. So I actually have a little bit more evidence than what you have. So, I mean, you could say that. Come on, drop the mic. Yeah, Izzy. They could. They could. I think the thing that's the big one is going to be... Um, that there's never been a, first of all, according to the scientific method, like you talked about, Connor, it's still a theory. It's never been proven as a law because they don't have the evidence for it. So they can make conjectures about this, that, or the other, but until they actually find a, an animal skipping from one species to, to, a, to the next, then the whole theory of evolution is completely out the window. Like, and that's where microevolution is absolutely, I totally believe in microevolution, but not macro. They've never been able to find it. And like the example that I gave you of Lucy, that one is one that has been disproven because they've gone through and actually found out that the bones are actually from multiple different animals from all over the planet, and they just assembled them together. And a lot of, a lot of these guys, too, is they'll take one bone, and from one bone, they then end up creating this entire diagram that they have no idea what it even actually is. So, anyway, okay, Alana. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing, uh, Darwin wasn't even like fully confident in his theory, and mm -hmm. like other people that were like close to Darwin, like 
one guy even said, I don't remember like the quote word for word, but he said like he doesn't really even believe in this theory. Mm -hmm. He's only believing it because he doesn't want to believe in God. Mm -hmm. And that just shows like how desperate like people are. Yeah. And also Darwin, he believed that like uh, black people were less evolved than like white people. So he was a racist. Mm -hmm. Like. Yep, so he should be canceled probably tomorrow. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. why not? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say, like, you look at like, anything you look at, you know it has a creator, like that podium. Like, it's not that, it can't be like that hard to make. But if yeah. you look at, like, a, sing, like, a single cell yeah. and, like, all the intricate part pieces mm. and parts into it, and compare that and say, like, oh, yeah, that just came out of nowhere. Like, that would be hard enough. But when you get to, like, a multicellular organism, like a human or any kind of animal or plant, yeah. like, think of, like, oh, yeah, like, that totally just came together. Like, everything has to have a creator. Yeah. That's where one, one of the biggest arguments against evolution that I really like, because it just helps me in my mind, <clears throat> is, um, is just when you take... When you take the probability factor and you start to throw it into the mix, it's astronomical. Like, for everything to, to fall into place for evolution to be true, it is, it is mathematically impossible. I mean, it is mathematically impossible. It's, it's unbelievable. When you start to take a look at even the position of the Earth in our solar system, our solar system in our galaxy, um, you know, I mean, you can go on and on and on and on, but that's one thing for me that's always been a huge one, huge one. The complexities of things that they don't even they don't even understand. I mean, doctors that talk about, you know, the reason why they call it practicing medicine because they don't they don't really know. I mean, they can take their best guesses, and they're right a lot of the times, but other times they're really not because they're just practicing. They have really no idea what's going on. Yeah. That's when you can relate it back to the Bible as far as the compound probability for prophecy. Mm-hmm. Huge. The Huge. probability for evolution is impossible, yeah. but the probability for the Bible not contradicting itself is also impossible, yet it doesn't. Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. There you go. Yeah, Math is evidence of God. When you really take a look at it, math is astounding, which is why they're trying to get rid of it. And trying to label it as racist as well, and getting Wait, it out of school. Math. math. Oh yeah, yeah. It happened. I think last week there was a school. Yeah, like with the Illinois. There was a, a couple of schools. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. All right. So that about does it. All right. So um, that will wrap it up as far as evangelism goes, as far as our series is concerned. So now you guys know everything there is to know. No, you don't. Um, but for real, guys, one of the things is, you guys, no matter what it is, I don't care how many times you've done it, I don't care how many conversations you've had, until you start getting into conversations, it's going to be very difficult to get equipped in order to handle some of these things. Some people have legitimate questions that are holding them back from believing. Like, legitimate. And we need to do our job to be God's ambassadors, to bridge that gap for them, to be able to give some of these answers. So don't ever be afraid to be asked a question you may not know the answer. I've been in that scenario tons of times, and I'm like, you know what? Let me think about that one. Or sometimes I'm on the spot. This is what's interesting, and I love this. This is another proof of just God and how awesome he is. There are times where people have asked me a question on the spot. I've had no idea what to answer, and then all of a sudden, it just popped into my head, and I know it wasn't me. I know it wasn't me, because I've never thought of that before. And all of a sudden, it hits me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you're amazing. All right, let me give it to you. And I just give him that answer. And so we are God's ambassadors. He has given you everything you need to be his ambassador, and to do it effectively, and to do it properly. And so don't ever let fear be something that gets in the way. I get it. We're going to be afraid. But who else is going to stand in the gap? I mean, if we, if we sit around expecting someone else to do it, no one's going to do it. 
And I think there's going to be people, I know this is true in my life, I know there's going to be people at the judgment seat of Christ that their life could have changed for eternity if I would have said something, if I would have just done something, even if it was something small. And I do have some regrets over that. So don't have those regrets. Um, I am guilting you into it, but it is a godly guilt. I mean, because I think that it's God's heart. He died for the whole world, and he taught us how to observe all things, and we need to make sure that we're helping other people do the same. All right, any final questions before we head out? Okay, all right, awesome. Let's go ahead and pray. Rick, you want to pray? Close this out? Okay.